So can you walk me through your work history? Like how how old were you when you started working and like what were your first jobs that you've had? Let me go way back now. My very first job was at Minsky's Pizza in Blue Springs, Missouri, and it was it was good. The salad bar was like right there. But um, then there was grocery stores. My one of my favorite jobs ever was working at Camelot Music back when there was music stores. That was really awesome. Uh, all that though was before I went blind. It's a whole lot harder to find just like low stress kind of fun jobs like that when you're blind. I imagine when you have most disabilities. So even though there's been times in my life since going blind that I would love to just be like, I, I'm i not sure what I'm going to do with my life yet. I just need something. Go work as a bartender or work at Target, which I've also done. It, it's not that easy um, to explain to someone how you actually can do this job. Hey, you're listening to The Obvious Question. I'm your host, Maddie Lawson. And I'm Becky Smith. You just heard from our friend Gretchen Mowney. And today, we're talking employment and the barriers that people with disabilities can face. So this season has been a little bit more difficult emotionally for me. Um, Last season, I felt like a lot of the topics we covered were things that I was reflecting on and things that I look back on from my past and are things that I'm comfortable joking around with. But a lot of these things that we're looking at this season are experiences that I haven't had yet and things that I will face in the future and things that I'm currently facing. And so I think when you've dealt with something over and over again, it's easy to joke about it. It's easy to have a good attitude and, you know, be that way. But when I'm reflecting on somebody else's experiences with them and things that I haven't faced, um, it's not funny. And for a minute I thought, oh my gosh, am I not funny anymore? Am I not the same person that I was? I mean, in some ways, no. Of course, we should always be growing and learning and becoming the best version of ourselves. But also, I think it's been kind of an eye-opener for me in, um, you know, what employment and things like that are going to look like. So, sorry if you came here for me to be funny all the time. I'm really not that funny in general. But, um... (laughs) This uh, is a little bit more serious, and that was a challenge with these topics that I didn't necessarily foresee. So like I said, Gretchen is a friend of both of ours. She's blind. Well, actually, she went blind in her early 20s, and she came to the studio recently to talk to you, Maddie, and she brought her guide dog, Royal. Who sat so quietly under the table for this interview, so. It was pretty impressive. But so you guys are going to kind of talk about this because Gretchen's a little older. Um, She's had some more experiences when it comes to the world of employment and has some experiences before she went blind in her 20s as well. Yeah, she's had experiences as an able-bodied person and then now having a disability. um, So she can see kind of both angles of that. Um, Well, no pun intended. But yeah, she's really awesome and honestly like I didn't think that we would be as good of friends as we are um, because of the age difference but you know disability in a lot of ways unifies people and although our experiences within the disabled community are so different um, there's definitely some things that we just got about each other and I'm so 
so happy that I got to talk to her and become friends with her. Let's do it. Let's do the thing. You've seen both sides of the spectrum, you know, going into the workplace, having a disability and going into the workplace without one. Did you ever feel like that there was a difference in like the interview process or like the way that they would contact you afterwards or any of that? I know you probably needed like accommodations for certain things. Was that ever like difficult or something that, you know, you had to fight for? Yeah, Probably one of the reasons I didn't really understand about all the uh, adversity in the world was things came pretty easy to me in a lot of ways before I went blind and I got jobs really easily, was pretty successful at most things I did. And after going blind, there was about a nine month period during which I couldn't even use a computer anymore, which having grown up on computers like that was rather difficult to say the least. And once I could use the computer again, there was suddenly all these things called YouTube and Reddit, but also, um, (laughs) it's very confusing. I, and it was like, like this, why? But I um, started reading all about this thing called the ADA and the Equal Opportunity Commission and Basically, anything out there that now applied to me as a real-life person with a disability. I joined this community, this world, and I knew things were going to be different for me. And so I was like, well, I I better learn all these things. I just read everything I could get my hands on um, from policies at the university where I still needed to finish up. I had to take uh, six incompletes when I went blind because I was a a senior at MU. So reading their policies, just trying to understand how things worked. And I thought, oh, well, it's 2007 and the ADA was passed in 1990. And so that's awesome. So everyone thing is going to be great now. The university says their commitment to equity and equality and all that good stuff and just everything. So I was like, okay, cool. Well, I'm going to try to start living my life again and quit hiding. Before that, there was just a lot of hiding and audiobooks and beer. Now I only do that on weekends. Um, (laughs) But I went out and tried to start finding work and, I mean, still had all the stuff on my resume and was still me. And I would would get the interview still because I still looked good on paper. But I would get in there and... Sometimes people would blatantly ask, like, how could you even do this, which they aren't supposed to. Sometimes they would just give you a much shorter interview. Sometimes they would give you a full interview, but pretty much all the times you wouldn't hear back. It's really hard to prove discrimination in the hiring process, whatever your marginalized identity might be, because the the employer can just say, well, that this other person was more qualified. There's no way to prove this person was thinking, oh, it'll be easier and cost less to work with this this other person mm-hmm. who's able-bodied. But I have applied for so many jobs, and even once I got a master's degree, even, and actually got really good grades, which I had crap grades in undergrad and was able to get all these jobs. It's just people with really low expectations not understanding, and it doesn't matter if I can go in there and tell them I can do all these things, if I can show them on paper what I've done. Also volunteered like a mad woman, too, to because I care about stuff, but also for a lot of it, too, was building my resume. And if I put everything on my resume that 
matter that I've done that could go on a resume, it would be like 10 pages long. People, they just still, they look at you and they just can't wrap their head around how you could do the job. Or even if you could, they think it's just going to be a lot of extra work or cost them too much money. It's just really, really hard. So people who are blind have the highest unemployment rate of any group in the U.S., any marginalized group at all. Um, It's 70 percent of blind people are unemployed, despite that we have been able to, to work pretty much this whole time. And with the technology there are is these days, there's no reason not to. It's basically like the company or organization just has to make be willing to be flexible and make a few changes to actually make documents accessible, be willing to not just always hand us pieces of paper, but email us a document instead. Hey, you're listening to The Obvious Question, and I'm your co-host, Becky Smith. So KBIA has some other podcasts you should check out as well, including Show Me the State, hosted by Christopher Houston. This podcast takes a look at myths and lore from Missouri history and figures out how that's still impacting the state today. We also have the True False podcast, which is an in-depth look at documentary film. You can find this and all of our podcasts at kbia.org or wherever you get your podcasts today. I feel like when there is a disability that people can see, it's kind of difficult for them to look past it and see what you can do. And for me, I haven't entered the workforce yet, and I'm terrified. Like, I know that I'm qualified. I know that I am capable. But, like, just hearing stories like that, it's like, I don't know, it's scary to be an individual that has a disability entering the workforce because of how how you said, like, you can't prove discrimination. For me, I feel like it would be really hard to stay positive and to believe that I was going to find something when you're getting, you know, denied by all these jobs that you know damn well you're qualified to do. How do you continue and not let it get to you? Like, what is your biggest tip with that? This is one of these things where you're supposed to say something really awesome and positive. Um It doesn't have to be. (laughs) Sometimes you don't stay positive, but you got to keep getting back to that place. And so, yeah, no, some days or weeks you feel like this is all bullshit. And what's the point? For me, um, everything takes me a little bit longer um, since going blind. And for me to apply to a job takes me at least twice as long, if not, more depending on how inaccessible the application is as it did when I could see. So the amount of effort that I put into just applying for a position, it's, it can be exhausting and really frustrating. It already feels like when I get there and the application's not accessible online that they didn't want me in the first place. So to just keep trying to brush that aside and just keep thinking they just don't know better but it's like microaggression after microaggression it's all this stuff that it's just oh they just didn't think they meant well they just don't get it showing up and having them pet my guide dog or grab my arm and pull me somewhere just you keep focusing I guess on the goal and focusing on I am gonna get through this and ultimately get one of these jobs and keep applying and contacting their human resources to let them know to fix their application, different things, because this is going to make it better. At some point, this is going to make it better for the next 
person like me who suddenly goes blind and doesn't know how to figure this out or the person who's born blind or the other person with a disability, whatever it might be, just to keep fighting and keep pushing through this shit that we have to go through to know you're qualified, but keep having everyone just think that you're not worth it. So it's really just kind of a, a little bit of an aggressive piss of a, pissy attitude to be, but no. it's what I've had to do. Um, I mean, I have to laugh a lot and make jokes a lot, spend time with good friends, but yeah, just say, no, I am not going to let the bastards keep me down. Yes. And I... We'll get this, and then I'm going to make the world a better place. And I can't make the mm. world a better place if I just give up now. So sometimes, yeah, I'll give up for a day or a week or whatever. But um, then you dust yourself off and keep going. Yeah, I feel like you feel kind of feel like not necessarily like obligated, but you feel like, yeah, I'm going to make this better for somebody else in the future. I've had similar experiences with that, like going through school and, you know, people say like, oh, well, we've never had somebody like you that like doesn't have an intellectual disability that's in a wheelchair. And I'm just like, well, now you do. So like figure this out. And it's like, it almost gets you to that point where you almost have to get that pissed off attitude. And it really like, in the long run, it tests your confidence and it'll force you to believe in yourself in the end. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really your only option. You can either like be like, oh, I can't do this. Everyone's right. Or you can, you know, keep going. Support for KBIA and for the Obvious Question podcast comes from Kilgore's Medical Pharmacy. Locally owned and supporting the community with delivery, a drive through and three locations in Columbia and Ashland. And the SYNC program for medications. Learn more at KilgoresRx.com. Kilgore's, we make you feel better. It's really frustrating at school and at work. One thing I found is I have to spend way more time figuring out how to do the schoolwork or the job than I do actually doing the schoolwork or the job. And that shouldn't be the challenging part. The challenging part should be the work. And yet it's sometimes it's exhausting just the amount of time I have had to spend getting accommodations or making the minuscule accommodations they've been willing to give me work or just getting through it rather than just, yeah, again, being challenged by the work itself. Yes, I feel that. You know, I want to come to school and I want to worry about school. I want the difficult part to be the work that I'm doing. I want it to be the projects I'm working on, not the things that it takes to get me to do those things. And it's just, yeah, I totally feel that. I think, you know, especially, I think it's twice as exhausting when there's establishments in place that are literally funded to make your life easier. Yeah. And they make you feel like you're asking for, like, a back massage when you're, like, asking for an accommodation or, like, something to make it so that you're on an equal playing field. That's why I hate the term accommodation. That's what, if you look it up, that's, like, it's, Accommodation means to, like, make more room for someone. It's not, like, the right thing to do. It's not just what you do to make things freaking equitable. It's like, oh, we'll, we'll accommodate you. You're right. Oh, it's, my God. It's just so – it's just the whole culture around it. You always feel like you're asking for – I even get nervous when I'm in a new job to, like, ask for things because my experience has been that then they might – 
decide to go with someone else, or they might stop thinking your abilities are what they are, or just lots of things. And so you just have to put up with stuff all the time. It shouldn't be that way. That's not what the people who fought for the Rehabilitation Act in the 70s and the ADA in the 90s, like in the 80s and 90s, like that's not what they intended. And it's just so frustrating. But yet it feels like beggars can't be choosers. Yeah. Have you ever experienced anybody questioning your abilities in the workplace? Like, Yeah. I People are much more likely to come up and ask me if I need help or ask me about my dog or if I'm, yeah, if I'm trying to get somewhere and need help with something than they are to, like, take me seriously about anything. It's You just constantly have to fight for any, like, respect. And, yeah, after a while it wears on you and you start questioning, wow, if everyone's treating me this way, what does it mean, you know? And you have to, like, remind yourself that they're stupid. But no, um, <laughs> to get people to, to listen, to take you seriously, to treat you like you're just like any of the other people that are working there, it's it's really... It's really hard. How would you know, they think? How would you understand? Um, it's just, yeah, people thinking you're just incompetent or in a lot of infantilization. People just being like, oh, sweetie, can I help you get somewhere? And I'm thinking, like, I'm we're in a freaking power suit here. Like, in, in what way am I looking like I need help? Yeah, it's, it's really hard. Um, honestly... How much more powerful could you look than in a power suit? Like, are you serious? <laughs> like, obviously, I know what I'm doing, ma'am. What ways do you think employers could work to um, be better with just the hiring of people with disabilities? Like, what things do you think need to happen in order for that to improve? Well, hire a lot more people with disabilities. But part of that is a lot more people with disabilities, like, we get, you get downtrodden. Um, we all do because of how we're treated, because of how this constant discrimination. And after a while, you just, you stop. During the first several years after I went blind, I was all like, rah, I can do anything. Um, and then it's been 12 years now, and I I don't report accessibility issues nearly as often as I used to. I don't go up and speak out nearly as often as I used to. Because it's just like after a while, it's just like, what are the chances this is actually going to do any good sometimes? But I don't know. More employers need to hire people with disabilities. We need better ratios out there. We need also, I mean, one thing that would really help that's frustrating is diversity presentations out there and for people to understand inclusivity. Not that I think that a presentation just really fixes everything. Maybe in my little idealistic head it does. Um, <laughs> but I want disability and accessibility to be more a part of those like I go to a lot of those kinds of things and they're starting to include it like for a second in a lot of those presentations but it's like kind of just mentioned it just seems like a lot of employers just don't get it I think one of the best things they can do is assume competence obviously like read the cover letter and the resume do the interview but try to do your best to look past the disability and just assume that if they say they can do this and their resume looks like they can they can and if you have questions ask questions the biggest uh, hardest thing is just people assuming incompetence I that's been the hardest thing since going blind is people treating me differently the hardest thing hasn't been not being able to see 
I mean, that sucks, but that's not the hardest thing. It's, it's the way people treat you, the way they talk down to you and won't give you opportunities and just won't even give you the time of day sometimes. Or the only reason they'll talk to you is because they think your dog's cute. It's just you treated so much differently. So, Maddie, what do you want people to take away from this episode? I think, for the most part, I really hope that this episode reaches employers. Um, I want to show them a different side of disability and not the way that they probably originally think about it whenever they see somebody who's disabled walking into their um, job interviews. Um, I just want people to realize that these barriers exist in employment and it's really not just a matter of, oh, like, just go get a job. It's a matter of, can I get a job? And there's so many factors that go into it. And so a person having an attitude of, oh, I see a person that has a disability, that means they can't do anything. Um, that really limits people more than their disability even ever could, honestly. And I hate the whole, like, I mean, we're not trying to be, like, inspirational or anything um, in saying that, like, you can literally do anything you set your mind to. That's, I believe, 100% accurate. Um, You can do anything that you set your mind to because I shouldn't have been able to do a lot of stuff that I've ended up being able to do, like finishing school, doing stuff like that. Um, I think if you have the correct supports, you can be successful in anything that you want to do. And a lot of times not being able to do something isn't necessarily a matter of ability. It's a matter of not having that opportunity to do it. Um, And I know that not everybody does have the opportunities that I've been given in life. Like not everybody with a disability is able to come to school. Not everybody is able to, you know, have people take care of them or not everybody's given the chance financially to do those things. And so I'm very grateful for the opportunities that I have been able to have. But I also know that there's a lot of barriers to face. And I think that's what this episode taught me as well. It, it hit differently um, because I think this wasn't a matter of just discussing, you know, something that I've gone through. It's a matter of discussing something I will go through and facing those harsh realities that I've kind of avoided. But I'm going to have to face those. And so a part of those was kind of scary, and I don't really get scared. But... I just want people to not underestimate what people with disabilities are capable of because I guarantee you that we're going to prove you over and over and over again why we can do every single thing that you felt couldn't. Special thanks to the whole Obvious Question team. Maddie Lawson was, of course, our fearless leader and host. This episode was produced by Betsy Smith, Chris Osheski, and myself. The supervising producers are myself and Aaron Hay. Ryan Fumuliner is the managing editor, and Nathan Lawrence manages our social and digital. This has been an episode of The Obvious Question. I'm Maddie Lawson. And I'm Becky Smith. Thanks so much for listening.